Hi, this is Dr. Sean Handorp, clinical psychologist and health behavior expert, and this is the Motivation Made Easy podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you science-backed information, strategies, and inspiration to master your relationship with food so that you can feel in control of your habits, respect your body, and free your mind to focus on the things in life that truly matter. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I've had years of experience doing research and patient care in the field of weight management and eating disorders. So I've had the insider view on understanding what works and what we're getting very, very wrong. In this podcast, you'll find practical information and tips based on motivation science, interviews from experts, and stories from real people and how they've navigated their relationship with food. My goal is to empower you with information, inspire you to make changes that fit you, and feel 100% supported along the way. So settle in and make yourself comfortable, and get excited to learn and take action for a better, healthier, more energized life. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Motivation Made Easy podcast. And for today's episode, I sat down uh, for a second time with Samantha Barish, registered dietitian. And I had Samantha on back in episode 64. We'll link to that in the show notes if you want to check that out if you missed it. Last time we were talking about supportive and inclusive exercise environments and how incredibly powerful they can be. And I asked her back because I personally wanted to learn and kind of flesh out some of the thoughts that I've been thinking through about kind of the pros and cons of really high intensity exercise. So thinking like high intensity interval training or anything where you're really pushing yourself incredibly hard. So uh, I really enjoy talking with Sam. She's super easy to talk to. I end up sharing quite a lot with her because she just asks all these curious questions. So she's just a delight. And um, in this interview, we're going to cover what we're talking about when we say high intensity exercise. We talk about The fact that most exercise recommendations are really giving guidelines about how much and the type of exercise to do, but we don't often get a lot of guidance on how to know what, how your body is responding to your exercise routine, because it is going to vary what you should, what is the best movement routine for you at a given phase of your life, depending on factors like current stress level and just a lot of other factors that we often discount. So um, throughout, Sam and I talk about our experiences with trying to engage in different high intensity interval training and uh, with a specific focus on Orange Theory because she mentioned it in our last interview and I ended up trying it out. And um, yeah, I had some some different experiences that I share throughout this interview. Uh, we t- touch on how external cues like heart rate monitor using uh, that is used at places like Orange Theory um, can sometimes impact our ability to really tune into internal cues. And so, yeah, overall talking about just the pros and cons, what kind of digging into what you're hoping to get out of exercise or your movement routine and ways to kind of determine if that need is getting met. And then at the end, we just give a little list of activities and ideas that you can do 
for movement beyond some of the standard, what you might think of as shoulds, like cardio strength training. So we'll, we'll give you some different ideas if you are maybe looking to get more joyful movement into your life, but you just need some ideas to get started. So stay tuned for all of that. And uh, we're so excited to have you here. And the final thing I'll just mention briefly, at this time uh, of recording, my friend and colleague, Dr. Sapna Doshi and I are planning some really cool opportunities for uh, therapists, dietitians, or helping professionals who really help people with their eating habits or exercise. So if that's you and you're excited to learn more about the best ways to support and empower your clients, Subna and I are super, super pumped about this. Um, and uh, we don't have any dates on the calendar yet, but we wanted to let you know that if you are interested in learning more when we do schedule workshops or different community-based learning opportunities for professionals, make sure you sign up using the link in the show notes or by going to Dr. Hondorp, D-R-H-O-N-D-O-R-P.com forward slash workshop and just pop your name and email in there so that we can notify you when those come out. So without further ado, let's dive into the episode. And before we dive into today's episode, make sure if you are not already in my insiders community on my email list, um, I don't email often. I usually email when there's a new episode, so once every two weeks at this point of this recording. Um, but we have some really exciting workshops coming up that are going to be relevant for both individuals as well as professionals who want to better support people in behavior change. So I'm partnering with my awesome colleague. We got some cool stuff um, in the works up our sleeves. And so the only way to know about it is to make sure that you are on the email list. So you can either go to drhondorp.com forward slash journal. That's a way if you want to grab our free hunger and satisfaction journal. This is just a simple three-day journal that you could use to kind of check in with your body. It's going to guide you through kind of checking in with hunger and fullness. You can also use something like this with a client or someone that you're working with if you want to kind of get them started on some tangible guidance on what this non-diet type approach really looks like. And um, if you download that, then you will automatically be put on the email list and we'll know for when future offerings are available. Also along that line, if you want to just go to my website, drshawnhondorp.com, you may also just click on the button, join the community or sign up now, and then I'll get you on our email list. And before we dive into the full content of today's episode, just a reminder that this podcast and corresponding blog are for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for any form of professional treatment. If you are in need of a professional, please find one. You are worth it. All right. So welcome back to the Motivation Made Easy podcast. And I have really... um, I don't bring on people a second time that much, but I so enjoyed our conversation. Um, my conversation, we were trying to figure out when it was. It was definitely, it was episode 60 some. So it was a while ago with Samantha Barish. We talked last time about supportive and inclusive environments for exercise. I forget the exact title, but we'll link to that conversation. It was a great conversation. I really, I learned a lot. I really enjoyed it. For whatever reason, I 
I just remember how emotionally I felt during that conversation. And I, I think I like teared up a few times during that conversation. Like, I don't know. It was, it was a great one. So I asked Sam back to talk about a topic that I personally want to learn about for my clients and for myself, because I find it very interesting. And so we're going to be talking today about kind of the pros and cons of high intensity exercise specifically, although we'll be kind of covering just how to listen to your body, how to figure out what movement routine is a great fit for you. Um, so we're going to be talking about a lot of different things. So welcome back to the podcast, Sam. Hi, thank you for having me. Likewise, I'm, I'm very excited to be here and to share this conversation. We're also doing this on January 6th. So it feels like a wonderful time to mm. dive into <laughs> the exercise. Yes. Yeah. It'll probably come out. I'm not exactly sure. Maybe in a couple of weeks here, but yes, it is. I and actually very selfishly. I'm like, Oh, this is great. Cause I'm still like in the, the mix of figuring out my own exercise routine, which I still was last time we talked like, so it can take a while to, and it's always evolving and changing. So yeah, lots to, lots to cover. And like you said, very fitting. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just to give you and the listeners a little background, actually, I think last time we chatted, you said you, you didn't listen or that you don't usually listen to yourself on podcasts, but um, <laughs> that you had mentioned briefly, I think you were almost like apologetic about like, you're like, I once, I think you were like, I once a week do orange theory workouts. And, um, and that's a pretty high intensity. I believe they describe themselves as like a high intensity interval training workout. Um, yeah. And those who don't know Orange Theory is sort of a one of the places where you, I don't know how you would describe it, but it's I, I believe it's nationwide. There's one in Grand Rapids, and I have since tried it, um, and they do a combination of rowing, um, running on the treadmill, and some weights. And so you had mentioned it, and I was still sort of looking for. I really signed up for it primarily because I like things where I sign up in advance, and then I just like the decision is made and I'm going, I really struggle with like, I like exercise, but I struggle with when I'm working, like, I'm like, yeah, I'll just keep working. And so I signed up for it just out of curiosity. And I ended up doing it for several months, um, just twice a week and then went down to one time. And I just recently actually canceled my membership. I technically still have one, but, um, I was reflecting on as I was doing it, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, but it was really, really not the exercise for me at this point in my life, my body was consistently giving me signals that this is not, this is too much for you. Um, and even after last year, when I started it, I was, had a lot of stress going on in my life. Now I have less stress going on in my life and it's still not, right. I went down to once a week. So it's just been kind of interesting. Um, I'm, you know, lucky at this point in my journey, I have a pretty positive relationship with my body and exercise. But I was just thinking like, wow, this is a topic that I think more people could probably benefit from understanding because I think most of the exercise recommendations we get are here are the guidelines and they don't have a lot to do with what our bodies are, the feedback our bodies are giving us. So that's why I said, hey, Sam, will you come back on and talk to me about this? And that's why we're here. I love it. I love it. Will you tell us a little bit more about what your body was telling you or what you're experiencing with Orange Theory? 
Yeah, sure. Um, I have to think back. So the main thing that I was experiencing, I actually was experiencing some like chest pain in my left side. So it ended up being muscular. I ended up getting a bunch of tests to like make sure it was nothing very concerning. Um, but ironically being the psychologist, I'm like, oh, it's just stress. <laughs> like I just kept minimizing it. I'm like, oh, it's just stress. It's just stress. But it turns out it was maybe stress plus, um, some muscular, um, tension. So now I'm still, I'm working a bit with a massage therapist on it, but yeah, I, I, I still don't know what it was. If it was the rowing machine or the combination of the, it would happen when I was actually running, which was confusing mm -hmm. to me. Um, so, but I also would have time separately from that where I was just really, really drained after the workout. Like I did not feel energized. I felt like I was too drained and I would even try to go into the workout and um, I just wouldn't push myself as hard some days and, you know, some success with that. But again, it was just, my body was just like, I like feeling, I like exercise because usually I feel better after I feel kind of energized and good. And that's what I would like to feel. And that was not happening, even though I did enjoy, I really enjoy running and I, I thought this would be a good way to get back into it. I don't enjoy strength training. So it would kind of make me do strength training. It went by fast in theory. It was a good idea, but, um, I don't know. I just, I think a little bit was the environment. Like you push yourself a little bit harder because there's just other people around and there's high intensity music going, but I also think it just wasn't, I don't know. So there was the two things, there was some pain, but there was just like pretty significant like fatigue like I almost felt like I was just like my nervous system is on overdrive already so to come in and do these sciences these workouts felt like it probably wasn't a good idea yeah how many days a week were you doing it uh only two uh, at the most and then I went down to once and it still wasn't I was like maybe a once a week will be okay and it it was like no <laughs> this, this isn't good yeah that's so telling right mm -hmm. So telling. And I mean, those are our workouts and yeah. your, your heart rate's going the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess that's the other interesting thing about the workouts is you wear a heart rate monitor and you're getting this biofeedback about your heart rate the whole time. That was also really mentally interesting because my heart rate's actually naturally pretty high, I guess. And it was like, there was many times where it was like, Sean, red, red. Like, <laughs> I was just like, that would kind of increase my anxiety too. So I stopped wearing the heart rate monitor. I'm like, I think I'm fine. <laughs> like, this thing says like, I'm about to like kilo. <laughs> so I don't think that was good for me either, but it, like, I'm so interested in this stuff that I was like, this is fascinating. <laughs> like I was kind of having fun like just noticing. And then my heart rate kind of got, they reset it based on your own personal average. And then it was a little bit less in the red all the time. Um, but it's kind of weird. Cause you're like, am I out of shape? Like, it just makes you feel kind of bad about yourself. <laughs> but I think, um, so that was a really fascinating, that's sort of separate to orange theory only, but I guess anytime you're wearing a heart rate monitor, but the fact there it was on the screen was just sort of an interesting dynamic. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I actually never wore the heart rate monitor when I went oh, there. Okay. I don't know if we talked about it in the last no. episode. No, no. I, I had a heart rate monitor, um, years ago and I had a very unhealthy relationship to it. Uh huh. 
And it's just not something that I'm willing to use again. And mm-hmm. I don't really like the information that it gives me. Mm-hmm. I'm also very competitive mm-hmm. and, you know, I've given myself a lot more grace when it comes to fitness over the last few years, but having a heart rate monitor on like that and those notifications of you burned the most or your heart rate got the highest today or whatever it may be that it's taking me away from my body, right? Like it's another external Mm -hmm. cue of telling Mm -hmm. me what my body feels like, how it's doing, what it needs. And ultimately that's not my goal anymore, right? Like I'm trying to listen Mm -hmm. to myself more and something like that is just going to confuse me. So definitely it makes me think of like our brains can only attune to so many inputs at once. Right. And so it, it makes me think of like calorie monitoring, right. Of like how people are like, well, I might, I might track my calories, but I'm also going to listen to hunger and fullness. And I'm also going to listen to how I feel over time. It's like, you could try, but that's like a lot of different inputs. Right. And so, yeah, same thing with the heart rate monitor. It's this external thing. And I was just like, I don't know. I know how to run and listen to my body and slow down if I need to. And so it was, it was really confusing. So it was really great to just not wear it after. So I actually, yeah, I haven't been wearing even that, but even that, even the reduced stress overall, my body was still like, I I've done it more recently a couple times and then we got sick. That's probably why I'm not doing it right now, but, um, it was fine, but it's still, yeah, there's still sort of this signal for whatever reason of like, it's not the right one for you right now, which is, it was a little disappointing because you kind of want to like find something that works and stick to it because I did like it, but it's like, is what it is. So, but yeah, that's interesting that you don't wear the monitor. So. Yeah. And I, I was only doing it once a week too. I actually have since stopped. I think I stopped such a while ago, maybe in like April or so of last year. So probably, yeah, good amount of months ago, nine or so months. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think I don't, I can't even recall exactly why I decided to leave fully. Um, but ultimately it just didn't feel good anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Just didn't feel good anymore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So we're on the same page there. Nothing against orange theory, but <laughs> no, I, the, the overall messaging felt good, but it also Mm -hmm. felt, I don't know, like that, that hour push like that, you know, I hear it from you. I experienced it. I think I have one client, um, who was an orange theory, um, member, but for so it's from what I've seen so many people that do anything, orange theory, whatever it is with that type of intensity, for an entire hour, eventually get burnt out. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it reminds me so much of like diet culture and it feels so all or nothing going to workouts like that. Like you're giving it your all and there's really good intentions, I'm sure, but it's so depleting that it's, it's restrictive. Like you're it's restrictive. You're leaving there needing to refuel. Most people probably don't realize the amount that they need to refuel after something like that. And 
that just brings us into that all or nothing mindset. It's so hard on our bodies that it's not sustainable anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And even if, because the, I agree, the messaging felt pretty positive there, but even in the trainers for me, they would be like, yeah, if there's days you just want to like move your body and I would try to do that, but you're still there for a full hour. Right. And like, you still kind of end up pushing like more than you necessarily intend to, because it's just that that's the environment. That's the sort of kind of what's happening around you. And most of us like cue other people and we do what other people are doing. So, yeah. Yeah. So so we're, I mean, so this is like, that's like a little preview of the why of this conversation and just a little bit of an intro, but we're going to back up just for a minute and just kind of define like what high intensity exercise is. Like, what are we even talking about when we say like looking at the pros and cons of high intensity exercise? So let's um, do that real quick. Sure. So I didn't look up a formal definition. Um, <laughs> that's <fine. laughs> maybe, There might be one out there. Um, but when I think high intensity exercise, I think increased exertion and all out effort Mm -hmm. and pushing and heart rate up and sweating a lot. Um, just intense, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Not necessarily a certain amount of time per se, but it's the effort. The heart rate's probably up. You're probably sweating quite a bit. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And when I think about it in terms of being positive, um, I think it was meant, I think it's great, but I think it's meant for shorter periods. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's just to me either. I think that's what like the data says too, that if you're doing exercise, moderate intensity, if it's 30 minutes and then if it's equivalent, if to like 15 minutes of high intensity exercise, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Which cute, right? Like 15 minutes of high intensity exercise. That sounds great. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Do Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. It's the going overboard, right? Mm -hmm. Where we're doing it for too long or too often or too much Mm -hmm. that we're starting to see it's not sustainable. It doesn't feel good. Yeah. And it's activating our nervous system extra in a way that seems potentially harmful, right? We think about, we all kind of know that the cortisol response in our body is not something we want extended, right? Short-term stress. Okay. Run away from lion real quick, get to safety, relax. But that long-term chronic stress that many of us are already under, especially more than ever, just lately, I think. And then now you have something else that's arbitrarily increasing it. And the thing that's coming to me as we're talking too, is this idea of like, I know, yeah, like those shorter bouts, like I know for me, some high intensity exercise felt really nice, but it would be in the context of like, I was doing a longer, like not super long, but like a longer, more moderate run. And at the end I would like feel really good. So I would just like push it for a little bit. And I'm talking like five or 10 minutes, maybe. And then at the end of that round, I'd be like, oh, I feel so good. And that was kind of the feeling I was seeking with, um, with Orange Theory, particularly, but just any, like, I, I'm kind of missing that um, feeling from exercise. Like, I just haven't had that in a while. And, um, but yeah, it was really rare. It, and it wasn't like I was sprinting for an, a long time. And it, so 
and in a lot of times we talk on this podcast all about motivation, right? And it's like this idea. And actually, I want to reference Michelle Seeger's work. I had her on the podcast and she did a lot of work around motivation and exercise. And there was she was saying like high intensity exercise is is good when it's really you're something you're actively choosing and you're I don't think she said this specifically, but the piece I would add is like when your body feels sort of up to it and that's going to vary based on a lot of factors and you can't necessarily be like, okay, it's Monday. I'm going to plan out. I'm going to do this high intensity thing Tuesday and Friday. What if in those days you feel super low energy? (laughs) Like, so yeah, that ability to like tune in and adjust isn't built in when we're just like even though that's what I liked about the class for me is that you're signing up in advance um and it holds you accountable which I I like and I think that can be self-supportive in it at times but what if that day you're just not feeling it (laughs) right yeah I think another point that's important to speak to is so often we're doing high intensity exercise because we think it burns the most calories yeah it, mm-hmm. maybe for some people it does burn the most calories. Right. And it feels yeah. like doing more and it feels like this is going to be the thing that helps us lose weight. And sometimes just that feeling of doing something like that makes people feel better about their bodies. Cause there's this idea that it's with continued, um, commitment to this, with all of the sweating, with all of this burning, I have to lose weight. Right. Yeah. Yep. And then I'm curious how often it happens that when you don't lose weight, because we understand that not everyone loses weight through exercise that how are you going to feel about yourself? Right. Are you going to want to continue it? Is it going to feel good? What was the motivation for it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right before we started this episode, actually, I was just Googling. I sometimes do that, like pros and cons of high intensity exercise, just like what's already out there. And definitely the pros that immediately the top three were like burn calories, lose weight. Like I forget what the third one was, but basically, and then in fact, the mental benefits was, was on there, but it was last. And again, I had just sort of reflection of our culture and this assumption, right. That like, more is better, right? It's more burn because so, so a lot of people still think it's calories in versus calories out. Like it's just a simple math equation and people like the simplicity of that. And they're like, so if I push a little more, that's gotta be good. Right. Right. Which is understandable, right? Like yeah. I, I absolutely thought that way. I did too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> we we're taught that from a young age. I liked it too. I was like numbers, math, like something that makes sense. Cool. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then it gives you like this high afterwards of endorphins, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what I see a lot of people doing too, is they start high intensity exercise and they don't realize how much food that's going to require. Mm-hmm. And that's just adding on to how much it must be literally eating at your body. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have, extra stress. Yeah. I have a colleague who started going to orange theory. I think she actually listened to our episode funny enough. 
um, because I think this is why she mentioned it to me, but she went to Orange Theory and she had a really positive experience with it. She really likes it, but she was also really um, like point blank that I have to eat more when I'm doing this. Like my appetite is crazy. I am so hungry. I need like essentially an extra small meal every day because mm-hmm. I'm doing all of this energy all of this exertion at orange theory and the difference is she's, you know, quite familiar with these approaches and the way that we talk about food and listening to your body. And so she was able to trust that and listen to it and honor it, Mm -hmm. which is beautiful, but so many of us that are doing exercise like that don't have that ability to listen and trust our bodies and trust that hunger. Right. Yeah. And if you're, if you're cutting your calories, if you're going on a diet and then also starting orange theory, oh my gosh, that sounds dreadful, right? Mm -hmm. Like how will your body ever be able to sustain that? Yeah. I might've mentioned this in our last conversation, but it makes me think of the very last diet effort I ever did was the also the the only marathon I ever ran. So I joined my last ditch effort at Weight Watchers right at the beginning of marathon training. And very quickly, I was like, what on earth am I doing? And I was done. I, I, I have never dieted since then. So it was like the final little just like, but it was, it felt so bad because <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, <laughs> I'm really hungry. And yeah. Yeah. And I think even if people have done a lot of work to trust their bodies, it's, it's easy for that old voice to come back and be like, oh yeah, you burn a lot. That's good. Don't eat too much more. Maybe you could eat a little more, but like, I think it could be easy for that to come back in because yeah, I, I also, I wasn't super focused on it, but I definitely was hungry and I have no issue with letting myself eat quite a bit more, but I remember thinking it was actually similar to like, being pregnant. And I remember being like, Oh, that was like almost when I was pregnant, I was working full time. And I just remember being like annoyed. Cause I'm like, I have to bring so much food like to my, to, to sustain my energy throughout the day. And it felt kind of similar, although I worked from home. So it was easier to just grab extra food as I'm working. But, um, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And just the, the fact that even if there's that that old, if we're not aware of that old, that old thinking pattern could easily come up and be like, okay, you can have a little more, but like not too much, but you might require quite a bit more with that, that intensity level. Sure. Sure. And also recognizing that our hunger gets blunted oftentimes right after high intensity exercise, right? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And something that comes up a lot for athletes is this idea of being an intuitive eater and listening to your body, but I'm not hungry after I exercise. So if I'm listening to my body, why, why would I eat? Right. Right. Yep. And that one is loaded, Mm -hmm. but ultimately it comes down to practicality, right? Mm -hmm. Like let's just be logical here. Right. Yeah. Right. Like practically speaking, we need to eat more after, after we exercise, especially to that degree. And that's something that we have to be ready for. That's like kind of a sacrifice. Yes. 
definitely. That's yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I, I trained for a half marathon once. Um, and when I was training for it, I remember being so annoyed at how hungry I was, like what you said about when you're breastfeeding, Mm -hmm. like, I Mm -hmm. just remember being so frustrated and also the fact that my hunger would show up the following day. Yeah. That was really frustrating mm -hmm. for me too. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So often it was changing. One day I was fine with X, Y, and Z for lunch, but then the following day I needed so much more. Right. And that inconsistency can feel really frustrating, Mm -hmm. but with the knowledge and trust, you're able to just give into it without thinking about it too much. But if you're not used to trusting your body or listening to your hunger, understanding what that might be, what your body might be saying, that could cause a lot of mental stress and confusion and frustration and Mm -hmm. is is that outweighing the the mental health benefits from the high intensity exercise? Right. Yeah, that's a great point. I didn't even think about that because absolutely. Like when I for for me, and it, I guess we're making a case too for like work on your relationship with food as much as you can before pregnancy and breastfeeding, because that at least for many people and for me, I, I remember actually with breastfeeding, I really like for whatever reason like just enjoyed it. Like it was like fun. I was like, Ooh, like I'm just hungry. It's like fun to eat when you're hungry. But, um, but yeah, when I was at work, I was, it was annoying, but, um, but yeah, that's that's such a good point because it will create probably more variability. Like we know there's normal variability, but it probably will create more variability in, and some days are going to be incredibly hungry. And especially that's also what you said about after exercise, that makes so much sense because, that's like, yeah, after I ran the marathon, I felt super nauseous. The last thing I wanted to do was eat. And my aunt who had run lots of marathons was like, you need to eat. I'm like, right, you're right, you're right. (laughs) And then it helped, but that's not intuitively what I wanted to do. And that this high intensity, especially with a lot of frequency would be bringing that up often. And it would amplify that, like then you'd be a lot hungrier the next day and maybe judging yourself for that. Sure. Yeah. It just like shows you how complicated it is. It's like, there should be like a disclaimer that you have to sign when you want to do high intensity exercise. Like these are the things that might show up. Can you handle X, Y, and Z before moving (laughs) to this? Seriously. Yeah. It brings us into the why of it, right? Like, why are we doing high intensity exercise? What is the role of it? What's the purpose? We can say that for for any exercise, right? Yeah. Yeah. What are people trying to get out of it? Which like you said, for many people, it might either obviously or subtly be, I really want it to change my body. Right. Yeah. That's probably a common one. <laughs> and, and yeah, for me, it was like, yeah, I want to, I want to feel like optimal health again. That's like really what I wanted. Like, I want to feel really good in my body again. And I want to have the mood boost. Like those were two goals. And like, yeah, I, there was at times I felt kind of good after some of the workouts, but yeah, consistently I had to be honest, you know, that was not achieving that goal. Yeah. And also recognizing that not everyone feels good with that. And right. I, I know even as someone who talks to people about 
food and exercise in their bodies so often. Sometimes it feels, it's hard for me to understand that not everyone feels good with movement, right? Yeah. Not everyone yep. feels good with moving their body. Mm-hmm. It's something that I have to continually check myself on yeah. and really gentle with recommending because it, it does mean so many different things to so many different people. Right. And then it just goes back to that idea that we don't know what's best for us or we don't know what's best for other people. We only know what's best for us. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And so often it's easy for, yeah. I mean, I think that's a great point about as a professional too, just like we, that's actually what my, I was mentioning to you, my colleague and I are really excited about is just like being aware of our, what we're bringing to the interaction and what biases and assumptions we're bringing, which is like exercise will feel good probably. Right. <laughs> like maybe if we can find the right type and maybe not. And, and there is m- many times very much a role of permission to fully rest, permission, permission to take a break that can be incredibly necessary and healing depending on where you're at in recovery from an eating disorder recovery from disordered eating or just chronic dieting and I believe that that can allow you to then fully discover what like you know pattern of movement would look like for you in the future and that that permission to rest is often required yeah and understanding that it's, it's vital, right? Mm-hmm. We need to rest. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if we don't allow ourselves to rest, if we don't allow our nervous system to slow down. We're not going to be able to listen to what our body's needs, what our body's saying, yep. what's showing up, how it's feeling. It's just an overdrive and go, go, go. And our bodies are resilient, right? They're going to, if we say, go, 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 they'll keep going until mm-hmm. they can't. Yeah. Yeah. They'll go like, those little signs that it's too much. And if we don't listen, they'll give us louder signs down the road. Mm -hmm. It's good to know that it feels like a lot of the messaging though is shifting with this, Mm -hmm. with, with exercise, fitness classes, you know, like the no pain, no gain type of messaging. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I hear that anymore as Mm -hmm. much. Um, I, yeah, might have- I don't exercise outside the home very much lately, so you might know better than I do. <laughs> but yeah, it, Orange Theory felt overall better than it probably would have in the past. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's interesting to think about helping people to understand that you don't need to feel sore. You don't need to feel like you can't get out of bed. Like those aren't things that we should, you know, be feeling like we deserve a trophy for. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm more specifically to the stuff with food. Sometimes what I'll see with folks who are struggling with disordered eating and they're finally feeding themselves adequately, they're never feeling that really intense hunger. Mm-hmm. And that really intense hunger can feel good to a lot of people because it makes them feel like they earned their next meal and they're deserving yeah. of their next meal. And that feels so in alignment with high intensity exercise. Like I just went so hard. Like I really t- took that workout. And now that I feel sore, I, I, it's because I worked so hard. Right. Yeah. 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 Being really cautious about like the, 
when is it that and driven by that like earned like I earned I've danced for my dinner if you will and when is it driven by like no it feels good to eat when I'm hungry like that can be rewarding and that's okay but like it's subtle and only the person can really know like is that in that restrictive mindset or is it just this yeah this it feels okay to do yeah it's very nuanced sure sure and I am the first to share that I like feeling a bit of soreness I enjoy yeah yeah it feels Mm -hmm. good to me Mm -hmm. and but that's me right and I'm I'm a aware of it. And I also know when it's going to be like where that line is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, that goes back to, yeah, our individual bias. And then also I had to think like, I don't know, just phase of life. Like I used to kind of like being sore and now I don't think I do. <laughs> like At least I'm not looking for that. That's definitely not something I'm seeking. Um, and, and like, and maybe they'll change, right? But sure. It's it's interesting, like to just really I think so few so rarely are we really taught to just like really tune in to what we actually deeply want, whether it's related to doing exercise and what or movement and what we want or or just like anything. Like we're not taught that to just be like what sounds good to me? Cause I've actually been like, yeah. I'm sharing all these personal examples, but like this year I'm in like a parenting program that does some coaching on like some other things of just like, what do you want? What do you want in your life? And we're kind of looking at, um, not resolutions by any means, but, and for so long, I've always said like, I want to run a 5k at like a certain pace, like and get faster. And I've just been like lately, like really getting curious, like, do I really want that or not? <laughs> like, and I think I might still, but I like literally don't, it's like still an open question. And I think for, I want to just normalize, like it's, it's okay to not be sure and just be like, huh, or maybe is that not important to me this year? And I'm, that's just for me. I know there's some other things that I deeply want related to being present, more present with my kids and just having more sense of like peace and contentment in my work and all of that. I know I want those things and maybe I want to run a fast 5k, maybe not. And all of that's allowed, but um, most of us aren't taught to just like, maybe even someone can just kind of imagine that thing that they think they want and just like tune into their body. Hmm. Am I feeling excited about that? Am I feeling anxious? What am I telling myself about it? It can be a nice way to just like check in. And going back to what you said about the why, why are you seeking this like high intensity exercise? What are you hoping you'd get out of it? What What's meaningful about being a person who does that if you feel like it's meaningful to you? And, and why? Just getting super curious. Yeah, it also just shows how along with that like disclaimer and um, that everyone should sign before they go into it or make a decision like that. I feel like you need to talk that through with a professional, right? Like that's a conversation to have with your therapist or dietitian, right? Of like, Mm -hmm. why am I doing this? What am Mm -hmm. I seeking to gain from this? Mm -hmm. I know for myself, I, and I don't know if I shared this um, with you before, but 
why I'm so passionate about talking to other um, health professionals, specifically therapists, about the importance of having awareness about people's needs and bodies and relationships with movement and food. Because when I was really struggling with my relationship with food and exercise, I was absolutely abusing the gym and exercising a lot and using it as my one and only coping skill. And my therapist who was trained in eating disorders or so, um, they said very much praise that of like, yes, like good. You're moving your body. That feels good for you. And I remember sitting there and needing her to say something different. I needed something like Mm -hmm. some type of validation of maybe that's too much, or maybe you need to pull back or what else could you be doing? Mm -hmm. But in the era of having so much stress and people's mental health, how often are we using the gym, high intensity exercise, those things to cope versus dealing with it, right? And going to therapy and getting inward. Mm -hmm. Um, And also acknowledging how challenging that might be for someone if their identity is rooted in their ability to achieve high intensity exercise. Mm -hmm. I think that was a really big thing for myself Mm -hmm. um, of that was what I had, like what I felt like I had going for me. Like, I'm very good at this. This is something that I have a reputation for. I'm known for with my willpower and my diligence. Right. But I was exhausted. I was not sleeping because I had to get up early to make it to the gym before work. Right. Mm -hmm. I, my body was so fatigued. It wasn't sore. It was fatigued. Right. Um, the idea of skipping a workout caused tons of stress and made me feel absolutely horrible. Mm -hmm. Right. Like there were Mm -hmm. so many signs that you are so dependent on this exercise Mm -hmm. and this is not, this isn't healthy anymore. Yeah. Um, And more recently I started going to a gym that I feel like every year we should just hop on and like have a conversation about where we're at in our fitness journey. Sounds good. Update. (laughs) (laughs) Good ideas, hopefully. (laughs) But I'm going to one currently that is mainly female identifying um, individuals that go there. And it's Um, very much a boutique fitness class, but there's so much emphasis on strength and so much emphasis on meeting your body with where it's at. And when I show up to these classes, I'm, I'm struggling a lot. Right. And there are a lot of times where I, the competitive part of me like wants to come out and wants to go hard and wants to get that validation. And I've had a lot of really healing moments of being like, okay, maybe you're not able to do this really intensely for the whole hour, but maybe instead of just exercising really well or having a really uh, trained heart rate, you also have really good relationships. You're not stressed out if you don't make it to the gym you have 
healthy sleep patterns. You're able to feed yourself before this and give yourself the energy it needs to get through the workout. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. been really healing for me in my relationship with exercise is going to the gym and being able to look in the mirror and know that there's more than just exercise, right? Like there's more to me, there's more to my health, my relationship with my body than just coming to the gym for an hour, a few times a week. Yeah. And, and noticing like how you get kind of hooked into those old programming and not beating yourself up for that, but just being like, Oh, Oh, Hey, that showed up again. And because that's how most of us were programmed. Our worth is dependent on external things, whether it's related to exercise or whether it's related to, you know, achievement in variety of ways, all these different like tangible goals, this idea of like, we can have unconditional worth. And that's really how we want to be teaching our young kiddos and, and adults. Right. And, but yeah, and it can be this great opportunity if we're self-aware and we're willing to look at it to be like, oh, look, I'm getting challenged in this area to kind of level up, if you will, of like, no, we're not not thinking about it different now. Yeah. Just like getting really curious, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So you're liking it so far? Yeah. 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 It feels, it feels really good. Um, Awesome. It's called the Peach Lab and it's in Birmingham. Um, Okay. I've, the name is, uh, you know, there's, obviously like some sort of aesthetic focus to it. Um, but I liked, I look at it as being like cute and like fun versus Mm -hmm. like we're all coming in here to sculpt the perfect peach. Um, (laughs) right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. So I look at it in more of a humorous manner. And also the messaging has been really consistent with you know, we're not here to change our bodies, but we're here to feel better. And hmm. yeah. Nice. I mean, it seems like they're, since our conversation, I've been thinking about it. Uh, I, I mean, I always think about these things because I think it's fascinating, but I'm like, there seems like there's a big market for like, well, we kind of talked about it last time, like inclusive fitness areas where people are feeling good and all in their body, no matter where they're at, where, however they show up. And it's, I haven't, I haven't really been seeking that out per se, but it seems like there's still a lot of room for growth in that area. And maybe there is some growth, um, which is great, but yeah, yeah. I'd love to see more of it. <laughs> yeah. It's like in the same way where I have this strong passion that all therapists are aware of body image and food stuff, of course, dietitians too. Yeah. I, I think that our fitness professionals have to go into that same space, right? Yeah. It's their responsibility at this point in this day and age to have awareness of what health means and understanding that these clients are coming to us with a lot of trust and we need to make sure that our messaging and our understanding of what we're sharing and how we're sharing it and what these workouts look like mm-hmm. is going to help our clients achieve full health, right? Long-term health. Not this idea of we do this really intense workout. You're going to feel great when you leave. Okay. But like, how am I going to feel after a couple months of it? Right. Right. Yeah. 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 And I think it's, it's interesting. Cause it's like, 
I've been a person who's been kind of obsessed with goals most of my life. And like, I'm kind of moving away from these like external goals because it can be limiting. It can create like more harm than good when it's like, this is the, the art, this is the number of the right amount of this workout. And this is the number of the right amount of this workout. And, and it can go beyond. I mean, obviously there's the body size component that we want to move away from, but even once we've moved away from that, we still have to be cautious about being too prescriptive because it can really reduce people's feeling of self-trust and autonomy to give themselves some flexibility if they're like, this is the expectation, right? And it's probably a tough place for gyms and fitness centers because people do like accountability and structure and, and that's okay too. But um, yeah, trying to have a mechanism where you can check in with the individual, which like you said, a waiver or a check-in, I mean, in an ideal world, we'd all have professionals we're consulting with at all times about that, which is just not real life. So right, but we can ask right. ourselves our own question. Is this feeling, am I feeling excited, empowered? I don't know, energized, I would say maybe not, that's not something everyone's wanting, but I know that's kind of how I'm wanting to feel before mm-hmm. and after most of my workouts. Like it's okay to feel but like tired sometimes, but like also generally kind of generally feeling that way. And that's, I mean, I feel that same way about therapy. It's not like we always feel amazing after every session, but like, we don't want to feel awful after every session either. So it's just kind of like checking in. Does this kind of like intuitive eating, but intuitive movement or intuitive, like, does this feel like the right approach for me? Does this feel like it's working for me? So. Yeah. I loved your analogy to therapy. Like some days it's normal to leave not feeling great, but you know, you don't want to feel awful every time you leave. Right. Yeah. I think that was a big telling point for me when I wasn't feeling energized after my workouts. Mm-hmm. And I remember people said that they felt energized after their workouts. And I remember thinking, why would you worked out? Like, wouldn't you feel tired? Yeah. And, red flag. Like, no, (laughs) that means you're doing too much. That means you probably need to pull back a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's what, yeah, it's a really telling sign, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I'm having some of those conversations with people lately because sometimes, you know, this idea of like new year, but we're not going to diet. So that can feel sort of like it's taking away hope. And it's like, to some extent we have to grieve that. And, and that's valid. And sometimes it'll feel just like, ah, oh, it's just hard. And we do want to foster a feeling of hope. And like, so yeah, it's, I guess that's back to the therapy analogy, but just like, we want that to apply to, there might be some, yeah, some hard aspects about your workout, or maybe some days you're just feeling off and, and that happens. But if that's consistently happening, we're taking a look at it. Right. Yeah. That's such a good point. Yeah. So, and one thing I thought might be kind of cool to do since we're just like having a discussion about this is maybe thinking about like, there's so many different ways. Like if you want to choose a high intensity exercise, maybe based on our discussion, we want to really be checking in with our bodies. We might want to not do too much of it, or at least check in if you're doing more, really being honest with yourself about how you're feeling after but also there's other options, right? Like there's many, many other ways to feel good in our bodies. Um, so I know I made a little like list of things that we could share, but I'd love to hear yours. Um, I had to put dancing 
on the top because that is my favorite one. And I've been, I, my update for my exercise or movement since we, I probably was doing it last time we, we talked, but is tap dancing. So I've been tap dancing for, we, we had a full season and I'm on season two and there's a recital and everything. It's, it's that. So oh fun. my gosh. That is so, so fun. That is joyful movement. If I've ever heard it. It's the best. It's like, I did not tap. I danced growing up, but I didn't tap. And so it's like really challenging mentally. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I think it's like my just like cognitive workout too, because <laughs> it's just, you're remembering stuff. So sure. I highly recommend it. There's people of all ages in our class. Um, so I highly recommend that any form of dancing. We do dance parties just at our, and like with the kids and stuff too. So lots of different ways to dance. Um, that I would highly recommend people consider adding into their lives. <laughs> That's so fun. That's so fun. Well, I think recognizing too, and it's funny to me that it took us, took me so long, I guess, to say this, but we're exercise. The word exercise has such a negative connotation, right? Mm-hmm. And if we could just shift to calling it movement, which a lot of folks in the space are trying to do, it feels so much more inviting, right? Mm-hmm. So long we coupled exercise with dieting, with losing weight, with shame, with not feeling good, with so many negative ideas that when we shift and just call it movement, it's so much more inviting to try. And then there's so many other things that fit under that umbrella, right? Yeah. Umbrella movement could be dancing. Yeah. Um, yeah, you you have on here such great ones. Um, yoga, stretching. How many people aren't stretching because they're not getting the you know high intensity calorie burn from it? Yeah, or they it doesn't count. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um gardening. Something that I added was household chores or like yeah. vacuuming. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, clean your baseboard, yeah. right? Like little, little things like that. That's movement. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. just going for a walk, um, swimming. Yeah. yeah. There's so I many put walking very slowly too, because I think so often we feel like we need to walk at a certain pace. Um, and just like sometimes sure, maybe fast walk, sometimes medium speed walk, sometimes slow check in. Yeah. Just moving our bodies more. And I even saw in doing some research for this, that the world health organization said that exercise can be any type of movement or physical activity. And nice. so it's not like we're just like pulling this out of our butts, right? Like, they're on board. It doesn't have to be anything super strenuous or crazy. That's probably going to be overwhelming for a lot of people. It's not going to be sustainable. Let's normalize just doing simple activities that move our body and feel good. And yeah, yeah support our health. Yeah. Yeah. I interrupted you, but I, the other ones that I have that we've talked about or anything that feels like play, like I had kind of Googled different ideas too, like roller skating or blading, anything that makes you think of like something you loved in childhood, I think is awesome. And just building on like what you're naturally drawn to. And then for us in Michigan with lots of snow, sometimes it could feel really upsetting to be here in the winter, but even if you're not a skier, which I, or a snowboarder, which I no longer am, 
winter hiking, snowshoeing. Like I really, I mean, not everyone likes the cold, but being outside when it's like beautiful and snowy, we get a lot of snow over on the west side of the state here, but um, just like a slow walk in the winter. So I figured I'd mention yeah. those too. Yeah. And something else that I think of is music's not very motivating for me. Okay. And so if I'm going for a walk, I'd rather listen to a podcast mm-hmm. or like an audiobook, mm-hmm. and that feels a lot more motivating. Um, so encouraging yeah. other people to get curious, right? Like we have to figure out what works for us, not yep. what works for so-and-so on the commercial or our neighbor or our best friend, but like what our body needs, how it feels good. We want to do things that make our bodies feel good. That's how yeah. we're going to stick to something. Yeah. And you can do kind of that little experiment that I said of like picturing yourself doing, listening to a podcast or an audiobook that's fiction or audiobook where you're learning something or a, this type of genre of music or this type, like you can picture different options and then you can do a little experiment. Like there's no pressure. Give yourself full permission to bag it if it doesn't work for you. Um, but just like, we're just trying it out. Cause I think so many times people are like, and I think some of it comes from, at least for me, it's like practical. Like I just want it to work out so that I can like have a thing that, that I know. And I've definitely, ever since having kiddos, I've just been like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a routine. Like I do walk outside semi-regularly and like beyond that, I'm still figuring it out. I'm dabbling here and there. And I think giving ourselves permission to do that um, can make it, much more likely that you'll find the thing that actually resonates with what your body feels best doing. Yeah. And also just normalizing that no one's going to do the same thing. Most people are not going to do the same thing their entire lives. Like right. ends, it's meant to shift. So yeah. if we just gave more grace and permission to do that. I think that could be really helpful when finding yeah. what works for you too. Understanding that it's okay if it shifts, it's supposed to. Yeah, definitely. Well, Sam, this was very fun. Is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you think people should know when we're thinking about the pros and cons? I think we covered a lot of what I wanted to cover. Um, Yeah. Um, I think when in doubt that I think the bottom line here was just coming back to the why, right? The why of why we're doing this, the why of why we're here, why of what our role is when it comes to high intensity of movement. And then letting your body um, help you figure out what 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 it needs. Yeah, I love that because that's and the other question we didn't necessarily get to is like this idea of like if someone's feeling stuck, like what if they're what if they're like you and I and they're coming into this new year and they're like, mm, I wasn't my holiday was not as rejuvenating as I had hoped. Like I think that permission piece of like what am I really trying to get out of movement? And um, I know for me it's like. I want to feel better in my body, but like right now my body's saying you're still tired. You're still tired. You still need to rest. And like, yeah, do I wish I wasn't? Yeah, (laughs) but I am. And so being able to have that radical acceptance of the reality and then being like, okay, what feels best? Like for me, it's been like slower walks, like not too fast. I'm like, that's fine. And, um, I did do yoga today for the first time in quite a while <laughs> and that felt good too. But like, and I, and like yoga, I was actually thinking about that because I knew we had this conversation. Like 
I'm at this point in my life, I'm much more comfortable just like being in child's pose. And I just don't care. Like, and I was like, actually at the front, cause it was like the last spot. I'm like, I'm going to be sitting here in child's pose. <laughs> and um, that's what I needed. And so I think it can be really empowering when you're like, this is just what my body needs right now. And I'm um, staying in your lane. And, but it's easier said than done, certainly, because there's a lot of messages, but. That's amazing you got there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> so no more, no more high intensity for now for me, but maybe, maybe again, but based on this discussion, I'll probably be doing it pretty limited, <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah. You never know. So. Right. Well, it feels good for us, right? Yeah. So tell people where um, is the best way they can learn more about what you're doing recently and connect with you. Just remind them. Yeah. So my website is www.tapintonutrition.net or on Instagram at tapintonutrition. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Sam. Thanks, Sean, for having me. And before we finish today's episode, I have a really quick message from a special guest, my daughter. Please review from my mom's podcast. Make something from my mom's podcast, please. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today. Your time is valuable, and it means so much to me that you're here. Despite the title of this podcast, many of our topics are not always easy. Change is hard, and let's face it, life and truly looking inward at ourselves can be uncomfortable. That's why I'm grateful. Grateful for you and your willingness to listen, learn, and keep an open mind. I invite you to learn more by going to drshawnhondorp.com or finding me on Instagram at psychology.of.wellness. If you're enjoying this podcast, it would be amazing if you could give it a review so more people can find it. Thanks, and I truly hope you have an energetic and inspired day.